I want to welcome you again to our service today, and it's good to see uh, faces uh, here with us and and uh, being together in uh, the Lord's presence, and um, just uh, just thrilled to know that uh, we can gather just to physically meet as Christ's representation on this earth in this way, and to with one voice lift His praises. I um, one of the things that I've missed, and I had a lot of images in my mind as we've been in the lockdown and kind of been not together for, for like three months or so now, I, um, I kept thinking about how the Israelites would gather and they would congregate. They had their assemblies. And I just wonder, I, I, actually I can imagine just how loud and ground-shaking their shouts of praise would have been around the tabernacle when they got together out of their, in their tribes, all the tribes came out and they started to worship God with their voices. And it was a beautiful and thunderous, but yet beautiful sound, praising and worshiping their God. And so that's how it feels to be able to do that when we're together, um, even though it's a little muffled with our limitations we have and restrictions we have, but that we can lift our voices and praise the Lord. So praise the Lord. It's good to be together. Amen? Amen. Our text this morning is in James chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. James chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. And I'm going to read from the New American Standard. And um, just want to read the scripture and just share some thoughts with you. And hopefully we're encouraged uh, with, with just the goodness of God. Amen. James wrote, and he said this in verse 16, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. And verse 18, In the exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth. Another translation says, by His choice, He brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among His creatures. You know, trust is one of the most important things in a relationship, as you know. And in order to keep that, it requires communication, it requires consistency and faithfulness. Those are critical to, to trust. And especially for the Christian, trust is everything when it comes to our relationship with God. And James writes that we should call, if you remember in the beginning part of chapter 1, he reminds us that we should call even our worst moments joyful things. Now, when you read that, sometimes that's hard to swallow and even accept. But he tells us that those difficult times when things are at their worst, we should consider them joyful. Now, I don't know about you, but that's hard for me. I know I didn't hear any amens, but I'm going to assume that your life is always good and you, it's, you don't have these difficult things to go through. But, but it's a challenge to heed and to practice that that we would count it as joy when we go through these difficult trials and sufferings and, and moments in our lives. And, and furthermore, earlier in the chapter, James, he says that if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who is ready, he's willing, he wants to give you his wisdom if you just ask for it. 
It's a promise. If you sincerely ask to exchange your knowledge and wisdom for God's, he'll give it to you. He wants to give that to you. And, he, and when, when those who trust God, they ask him for his wisdom, what they do is they take what he gives. Good, bad, beautiful, ugly, easy, hard. They get his wisdom and then they take whatever he gives and they're able to navigate through all of that, not on their own, but by the wisdom of God. That is a great gift that God gives, his wisdom. And people who trust God, not only ask him for his wisdom, just to name another thing though, they look into his word, the Bible. When they look into his word, they act on what it says. No one said amen again. And that's because maybe we're having a hard time either saying that or we actually can understand that it's hard to sometimes look in God's word even when things are difficult and to say, yep, I trust that. I want your wisdom. And I'm going to look in your word and I'm going to do as you say. It's hard. There's no, make no mistake about it. But that is something that people who trust God learn to do as our trust grows deeper and greater. We look in his word, we act and do what it says. So what does it say? We'll look at that in just a moment. In just about nine days, my son Preston, many of you haven't seen him for, well, it feels like since he was 10 with the lockdown, but he's going to be 13 in like nine days. And if you would see him, man, he's, he's getting tall. All right? He's getting tall. But, you know, one of the things I asked him last week was, hey, you get excited about your birthday coming up. You know, you're going to be 13, and, you know, it's a great day. We celebrate your birthday, and as we do in all our family, with all the birthdays, are you excited? And, um, and of course, he was. And I said, well, why are you excited? And he said, because I get stuff. Yeah, he actually said it that way. It wasn't like, because I get stuff. He's, you know, he's getting, he's going to be 13, because I get stuff. He's getting there. He's getting there right? But we can relate, can't we? We can relate to that. Who doesn't like to receive or get good gifts? Really good gifts. How about surprise gifts? Don't you love surprise gifts? And especially when they're really good ones, whatever that means to you. But, but when you really benefit or it really brings you joy to your heart. And, and especially if it's not just on your birthday or Christmas, we all like good gifts, I can name many of them, but I won't bore you because I'll get excited and you won't if I start listing all the good gifts I got. And that's what our text this morning is all about. Every good gift comes from God, including the greatest gift of all, our salvation. So as we think about good things and perfect gifts, please notice just two points this morning in our text. And the, I'll have others, but the two main points. The first is this, in verses 16 and 17, notice that God is the giver of good gifts. He doesn't give bad gifts. He's the best giver of gifts ever. James says in verse 16, before he gets to the gifts part, he says, don't be deceived. The question is, deceived about what? Earlier in chapter 1, James tells us that God does not tempt us. That's not in God's nature. It goes against his character. He's not going to tempt you. That would be a bad gift or thing to give someone. And when things aren't 
going our way, James says, don't be deceived. When they're not going your way, when, when we feel the heat and it gets turned up, and the stress, for example, of the uncertainties of our time. Can you relate to that? Or the confusion that comes with mixed messages from medical or political leaders. Can you relate to that? And I'm not here to knock anyone. It's just, well, it's the reality. Let's be truthful. Or just, let's make it simple. And reference what James says. When there are difficult trials that test our faith, and it could be a lot of things, including things I've mentioned. It's then... Listen, it's then that we need to be on high alert for the emotions and sinful thinking in our minds, our thoughts, that can trick us, and in a sense deceive us, so that we can turn away from God. I didn't say fall away from God. I said turn away from God. That we kind of make our steps away from Him because we start to think things that don't focus on the fact That God is a giver of good things. And we need to be careful of another temptation on the heels of those things that try to deceive us, our emotions and our thoughts, if we start to look at what's around us. We begin to look elsewhere for the good things that we think we're missing when things are hard or things haven't improved for a while. If God won't provide them, we say in our minds, then we'll go and get them for ourselves. Have you ever tried doing that? Have you ever been in that situation? We attempt to take control. We struggle to find our own satisfaction. And so it becomes critically important to cling to the truth, to hang on to the truth with everything you've got in you, which is that every good thing in our lives is a gift from God. And what James is saying is that God does not tempt us. He doesn't give us bad gifts. Don't be fooled into thinking that. Tell yourself today as a believer in Christ the truth. And the truth is this. That God gave you every single good thing in your life. I'm going to repeat that like a hundred times if I could. Because it bears repeating. And I just want to remind you again. I'll say it through the sermon. You need to remember that God gave you every single good thing in your life. It wasn't you. It wasn't someone else. Maybe God used someone, but God gives you all good things, and He gives only good things for your life. He is the source of all the good you have, and all the good that you can even crave that you might want. Who God is does not change when our circumstances change. And so He's still a giver of good things. God is still good when... Our trials began. He's good when the trials continue and He'll be good when they end. He is still the source of all the good in our lives. He never changes. I don't know how many times in Scripture, but in the Old Testament through the prophets, they're reminded and they say, I am a God and I, I am the Lord and I change not. I don't change. I'm the same. Yesterday, today, and forever, if I could paraphrase. And yet those very words are found in Hebrews chapter 13 about Jesus. That He's the same yesterday, today, 
and tomorrow. Forever, forevermore, He is the same. He never changes. We sang that song at the beginning of our service, the first song, that hymn, How Great is God's Faithfulness, didn't we? And we declared right at the beginning of our service, There is no shadow of turning with thee. Do you remember that you sang that? Keep remembering that. There is no shadow of turning with God. James refers to God as the Father of lights. This is the only place in the entire Bible that he calls God the Father of lights. He is the source of light. Listen, the sun can never be in shadow, right? The sun can never be in shadow. And at times, shadows may fall on us in this life. But he is ever and always will be light. He is not darkness. If we turn away from him, we go only deeper into shadows. Turning from God, and I don't know who said this, but turning from God in order to escape hardship is as ridiculous as hiding from the sun in an effort to escape darkness. Instead, we should seek the one who can make all things new because he's the giver of good gifts. Amen. Every good gift comes from the Father of lights. Who is the Father of lights? And what does it even mean that he's the Father of lights? He is God the Father, the creator of all things. God created the light in our world and universe. Do you remember back in Genesis in the Bible? At the beginning of time and shortly after, God said, let there be light. Well, he may have sounded that way, but he said, let there be light. He spoke it and there was light. Why? He is the source of that. From him, light, even the concept and what it means and the the energy that comes through light and from light comes from him and God created that out of nothing. And there was light. Indeed, he is light and light is often used also, not only that he's creator and he is the source of light and light itself, but it's used to depict all that is right, pure, and moral. Whereas in the Bible, darkness is used to depict sin and evil. God is the source of light and the giver of all things that are right and morally pure. He's holy. When you put the creator, God, together with the holy God, who is the same God, by the way, and you add those things up, the result is what 1 John 1, 5 tells us. And it's simply this. This is the message that we have heard from him and declared to you, John writes. God is light. And there is absolutely no darkness in him. Did you hear that? No darkness. There can never be darkness in God. No sin, no imperfection, nothing morally impure. God is light. He's the source, he's the creator, and he is righteousness and purity itself. You know, not only was he that all along, and he always has been that, but I'm thinking about Revelation chapter 21 and verse 23, when it talks about God, and he is there, and he is dwelling there among his people in the new Jerusalem. And regarding the future, Revelation 21, 23 says, The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. Why? Because John the Revelator says, Because the glory of God illuminates it, and its lamp is the Lamb. Now, it's important that 
you, he says that God himself illuminates in his glory, but that he also says its lamp is the lamb. Why? Because God is God. Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God. There's one God. But yet Jesus, who was on this earth, you remember John chapter 8, he said something about himself. He said, I am the light of the world. He who believes in me, even though he walks in darkness or in this world, he will have the light of life in him. He will have the light of life. And he won't actually, he won't be walking in darkness. He will have the light of life. God himself, by the presence of his Holy Spirit, will fill and he will be in us. And then we can make something of a reality, if you will. It'll be a reality. They will take Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5, where he's talking about citizens of God's kingdom. And he says, you are the light of the world. Now, come on. That's impossible. You know that's impossible. I know that's impossible. On my own, I cannot be the light of the world. And yet Jesus makes that proclamation about those who believe in him and who are citizens in his kingdom. How? Because the Holy Spirit, Jesus, lives in the believer. And he is the light of the world. And when he is in us, he is living in and through us. And it's not we who live but Christ because, as Paul said, we are crucified. It's Christ who lives in us, the light of the world. God lives in us. And so now we can uh, uh, experience this light in our own lives in this powerful way. God has been and God always will be the giver of good. He is constant. He will never, ever change. He will always shine. He will never be extinguished. His purity, His holiness, His power, and His life-giving that ability that He has. He is life itself. One helpful thought to remember in the midst of troubles, trials, and suffering is to remember that good things come down from the Father. And someone said that because good things come down, as James said so, that means we must look up to receive them. Where are you looking? Are you looking inward? You will not find that there. You will not find that there. You will not, you're looking around you at somebody else it's some method, some system, some person, some philosophy. You will not find that there. You need to look up and look up to Jesus. Look up to God, who is the giver of good gifts. Secondly, and the second point is this. Not only is God the giver of all good gifts, but specifically, as I mentioned earlier, He is the giver of new life or salvation. The new birth in verse 18. James says, By His own choice... He gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. God is the giver of new life. He gave us birth by the word of truth. Notice how this happens. We see first and foremost that this was by God's choice. God loved you. God saw you. And he chose you if you're a child of God. And he wants you to be a child of his. He's choosing you. Maybe he's prompting you in your heart and you're feeling his love and his draw and your understanding and you're realizing your eyes are opening that you need God who is the giver of good things and of a new life spiritually. Real life. Maybe you're realizing and God is choosing you. God loves you so much that he sent his son for you. God is actively involved in our salvation. He's calling us to himself and he wants to save and he calls us to this new birth to be born again. You know, our first birth was a physical one. 
you've all had a physical birth. Yep, we were sitting here. We've all been born physically. But the second one is a spiritual one. And we're here and now in this physical life. But the second birth results in it's for eternity when we are born again as Christians. And this is speaking of our spiritual salvation from the curse of sin, which is God's wrath in the end because of the, the price and the penalty for that sin. In fact, Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God for salvation. Praise God for a new birth. Praise God for new life. That it's not just that we get good things and stuff. And that's only part of it. And remember, James says that every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Every. That means, when he says every, it doesn't just say God's good gift or God's perfect gift. It says every. That means there are others. There are many. And he gifts us with many good things to benefit us in order that we might become more like his son Jesus. Many gifts that he gives us. And praise God for those gifts. I'm so grateful that we have the gift of grace, the gift of mercy, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of compassion that comes down from God. His patience with us, His patience with me. And then He gives you the gift to be patient with me as well. And my wife and my kids. Think about it. The many gifts that we have. Yes, we have the material things. But the spiritual are so deep and beautiful and they keep on giving and they last and last and last and God keeps pouring out those gifts because he's patient and he's a good, good father. Notice, we are born again by the word of truth. It is impossible to be born again without the gospel and the Holy Spirit taking and supernaturally taking the word of God and touching our hearts, moving us and stirring us and transforming. And that word becomes alive and real and our eyes are opened and our hearts become alive because he regenerates us. And all of a sudden we realize this gospel is real. God is calling me. He's drawing me. And it's a beautiful thing that happens at salvation that we receive that eternal life because... We're made new creatures. We're made alive through the gospel that Jesus died and rose again. And if we believe, we will be saved. James also says that we are a kind of first fruits. What does this mean? Usually, when first fruits are spoken in Scripture, it has to do with the first and best offerings of a crop or harvest. The first fruits offering, which was established in Exodus 23, it was all about acknowledging God's ownership of everything. And it was also about expressing thankfulness for his provision. And of course, it was an anticipation for something that greater that was to come. And that was the whole harvest, not just the first fruits, but the entire thing that was coming in the future. And it was bigger and greater than just that first portion. And we're our first fruits. What does that mean? You know, it says that Jesus, when he arose, he was the first fruits of those who would be resurrected. He's the first one of a greater resurrection coming one day when we're going to see Jesus and we're going to be resurrected to be with him in eternity forever and ever, spiritually, right? And, 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 and to be reunified, to be unified with him and meet him in the air if the rapture happens. Praise God for that. We're going to be joined to him and connected to him, and we're first fruits of our salvation. Think about it, the, the, the first church being born. And now, think about all the fruits that came afterwards. How about us? How about those that come after us? We are such, we are such blessed people to know that we 
are a demonstration of greater things, of a greater salvation that's not just here on this earth, and it's great as it is already to know that, but we have something more to look forward to, and it's an eternity with Him, a salvation that will never end in His presence forever and ever and ever. So we are given new life by the work of God through the word of truth to be the first fruits of God's creatures. And the new birth that we've experienced is only a preview, as I mentioned, of the day to come when he makes all things new in a new heaven and a new earth. I can't wait. As we come to a close, I want to encourage you by remembering something and to take this to heart, this image. Alan, I don't know if maybe you're here for the 1030 service. Maybe you didn't get up so early, but I was up like, you know, pretty early this morning before the sun got up. But it was foggy. Anybody see the fog this morning? It's actually cool. I love the fog. It's neat. (laughs) You saw it. Yeah. It's beautiful. And yet, you know that with that fog there, it limits your view. I drove down 138 and I couldn't see a half a mile down. I could see less than that, right? Because it obscures, it blocks, and it blocks the view that we have of, of what's in front of us. And you can't even see the sun. There's light out, but you can't see the sun. It's blocking it. And the fog hides, if you will, the sun. But you know what happens? That by like 8 o'clock, all the fog, what happened? It burned off. It burned off. Can I encourage you this morning regarding the fogs? And maybe even the clouds in your life that seem so dark and they linger, they limit your view, or they depress you, or they make you feel like there's no end in sight and you can't see any light for what it really is in all its fullness and brilliance and power and you don't feel the heat and the life-giving power of that light. Can I just tell you something? God doesn't change. He's still there. He hasn't moved. Do you know what does move? The fog. The clouds. They don't last forever. They never do. Even if you live in places where it rains like 400 days a year. Wait, there's more. It's more than a year, right? But what I mean is it's always, but the sun does come out. It doesn't last forever. Clouds and fog do not last forever. But Jesus does. And the fogs and the clouds in your life, whatever label you give them, that are blocking that view, that might make your life difficult, they will get burned off by the power of that light-giving God that we have who burns it off with His glory, His power working on your behalf. Doesn't last forever. So count it all joy when there's trials and tribulations, when there's confusion and chaos and you're not sure how things will end. You can be sure the fog will burn off and the clouds will go away. He's a good, good Father. We can trust Him. We can count on Him. And James reminds us, That God is worthy of following Him because of His steadfast goodness and because all good gifts come from Him. We sang a song, and I remind you before we go. Even when I don't see, even when I don't feel it, what is God doing? He's still working. Even when you don't see the sun, that sun's still working. You know how I know? The tides are still changing. Even if it's cloudy all day, it does get dark and there's nighttime. The sun is still working. It's still working. And it's affecting so much. And God is doing that in our lives. And here's the bottom line for this week. New life and good gifts come from God. So be encouraged 
in the thick of the fog and in the clouds and be thankful for them because God's got a plan to make you everything he wants you to be. So today, thank God for his good gifts and be like God. And because he's so generous, spread the good news. Spread the good gift that he has to offer of salvation and everything else that comes in that package. Would you do that today? And oh, by the way, let's be good to our fathers today. Let's honor them. Let's bless them. And let's be good to each other. And let's ultimately love one another because love is of God. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for this day. We thank you again for our fathers. Lord, I pray that you bless them, Lord, as they go through this day, this week, this next year, every day. May they lean on you, trust you, remembering that you are a God who gives good gifts and salvation is the ultimate. Lord, I pray for a father or anybody who's here or watching, Lord, that they have not received you as Lord and Savior. They haven't received the best gift of all. That they would acknowledge that they are sinners, that they are imperfect, that they walk in darkness. And that you are light, you are perfect, and your standard is high. But you sent Jesus, who died for our sins, for those of us who, and people who cannot obtain and reach up to your standard and maintain that. Thank you for your forgiveness. Help us to believe that you rose again. And I pray, Lord God, that you would grant eternal life today, Lord, to all those you are calling and to all those who you will allow to believe today. We thank you and praise you that you're a good, good father. We celebrate you and we celebrate our fathers today in Jesus' name. Amen.